the hard yards brought to you by Sports Joe. It's good to the short side. Oh, it's Before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! You're very welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. It's Six Nations Week, and Ireland take on Wales on Saturday in the Aviva Stadium or Lansdowne Road, depending on how you're feeling these last couple of weeks. And it's a big one. Uh, to talk us through this busy rugby week, I'm joined in studio by Sports Joe reporter Pat McCarry. Pat, how are you? Good morning and congratulations on cap number 50, Andy. Cap number 50, yes it is. Thank you very much. We'll add in sound effects there to make yeah. it sound more impressive. Thanks for this giant award. <laughs> uh, and in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined in studio by a man who broke Irish hearts on more than one occasion. It's former Welsh winger Shane Williams who will join us to talk about the game this weekend. And Pat, you're on your bike this week. Um, you were speaking to Tyke Furlong. Yeah, yeah, he was um, in top form. Just kind of spoke to him about uh, growing up in Wexford and uh, helping out his father. Yeah, yeah, in in the butchers. So yeah. uh, I know good, good, good chat with him. Yeah, yeah. So that's coming up later on in the show. Um, and before we move on, congratulations to Colin Parkinson's JAR. Mm, uh, yeah, well done, lads. Podcast yeah. the year at the Digital Media Awards. Um, well done. <laughs> We're really happy for you. Yeah. Uh, great stuff, lads. Uh, we, we may have also been nominated. We did not win. We were nominated. Yeah. And, um, you know, some would say there was some shenanigans we're going not, on. We're not bitter. I just want to make that absolutely clear. No. Like, well, like the lads, they've done all right. Uh, you know. Well, just, they've been around that long. They should be winning awards. Well, that's it. Yeah. And if they weren't winning awards, they should be having a, a long, long, hard, hard look, look at themselves. themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, well done. Again, well done. Yep. Yeah. Damien Brown. There's <gasps> yes. a winner. Now there's a winner. Yeah. There's a guy who wins stuff and gets a job done. 64 days solo across the Atlantic. That's 64 days alone with your own, th- with your own thoughts now. That's... <laughs> yeah, never mind the physical aspect. That could do me in. Yeah. Oh, he did, he did amazingly, didn't he? Like to, um, you know, set off and I was I was impressed with the uh, the beard that he had when he when he got got back on dry land after those sixty four days of hard ass rowing there and strong beard. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. good work and um and he, and some great comments from him when he, when he, when he landed and um yeah just the the feat that that would take like not only physical but as you said mental as well to kind of be with yourself and all those doubts that would be creeping in on certain I'd days say and you'd have a few dark nights to sow mm. you, know. um, I, you have to respect that effort uh, I said physically and mentally well done Damien Brown mm. um, and then I suppose we had a couple of uh, the, the games over the weekend were mm. some disastrous results um, and, and we're so used to weekends where you could have a clean sweep of the Irish provinces winning yeah. in the Pro 14 but um yeah, complete disasters yeah. for um, the likes of Ulster and, and Connacht, yeah. well, both co- home games, yeah. We'll come back to that in a second. First thing, um, Ireland injury news. Um, we, we're in a reasonable place. There's still not, no, we, we've no epidemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, which which is good. Um, we've got the tag furlong. What did that look like to you now on the ground this week? Is he definitely in the, re- in, 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 yeah. in the mix? Yeah, yeah. I was like I was um, the head of the Dewberry Park there in in Athlone last week, and we went along and um, went in on that training session. It was great to see him getting out there, and um, twenty one lads were brought down, and three of them didn't train at all: Ian Henderson, Tyg Furlong, and James Ryan. So 
but the one that like James Ryan didn't do anything like he was apart from like you know posing for photos and, and signing autographs which would be you know great for the kids and stuff but he didn't posing <laughs> James Ryan would hate me to say something like that but uh, was he going like full Zoolander <laughs> he was just pulling the blue steel out yeah, yeah. and um, but you've seen her, Henderson and Furlong were both did a bit of sprints a bit of runs and stuff so um, kept loose so I would say that those two will be alright not 100% certain about James Ryan but I think he just has the kind of physique and the makeup where he, they just have to put a low workload on him as well so um, I think Joe would love to have him but then Devin Toner isn't a bad guy to, to call on if we need him but I think Furlong and Henderson will be in that, that team at the weekend and and Ryan maybe he has to probably train fully today and tomorrow to give himself a shout and uh, and then yeah, we lost Luke Luke McGrath then at the weekend mm. um, kind of it looked, it looked nasty enough when you saw it um, kind of twinge his knee and he had scored a try again captain in Leinster <clears throat> like for me would have been on the bench um, so I don't think there's any kind of um, official diagnosis or prognosis of what's up with him but um, he definitely out of the Six Nations and, and I don't know if whether Leinster will get him back this season which is an absolute shame for them because they've lost van der Fleer, Henshaw and now Luke McGrath during the Six Nations Well fingers crossed he gets back a little sooner than that um, I suppose they, they before we continue the Irish chat the knock on impact for Leinster is going to be potentially big because you have to pick Oh, yes. Jameson Gibson yeah. Park. Yeah. Then, you know, with the greatest respect to Nick McCarthy, he's still fairly green. Um, mm. And then you have the which two of the, which <laughs> which man do we drop? Is it Scott Fardy or is it James Lowe? Yeah. Um, for me, it, you have to keep Fardy. Yeah, you'd have to keep and Fardy's been brilliant for them. And Lowe is almost the luxury then that you now can't afford to have. Yeah. Um. So a bit of a disaster there, and um. Yeah, but Jameson Gibson Park, well, he's just he's good, not quite as good as Luke McGrath, but um, if he gets out of games, he could do the job for him. But then, yeah, you're going to lose not only uh, McGrath, but you're going to lose uh, the likes of Lowe, who's, I was, I was looking at him there, six games, five tries, three assists, um, mm. and a lot of happy memories. And a lot of bums on seats. Yeah, oh, I mean, brilliant. There's a man who, who can who can put bums on seats. Yeah. Just, there, there's, playing against the very top teams, I think you can afford to, to leave him out. Um, mm. But, you know, the stuff which... I was talking to a friend this weekend and we were talking with James Lowe and I said, there's a reason why Kiwis are allowed leave, right? Mm. And we've already seen it with Lowe. We saw it in Montpellier, right? But against... In, in a Pro 14 match and you want to sell out that ground, no one cares about that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, right? <laughs> they just want to say, what is going to do with the ball? How is he going to help someone else score? And he plays with a massive, big, shaggy dog grin on his face. And it's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Yeah, know? yeah. But was that, I think Jack O'Toole from, from Sports Show was at, uh, looking at the game at the weekend and did a great piece on him and just saying exactly that. Like, he's just, he's a kind of, he kind of brings joy to you when you're watching it and you, you don't know what he's going to do next. You, you can even see it on the big screen on the ground. Like, he's got this, this giant grin <laughs> when he's running along with the ball. It's yeah. amazing. And he was good, actually, in, the, in the, the post-match interview as well. He was talking about Will Connors and he was referring to him, only, he only knew him by his nickname, Porridge. Porridge. Yeah, <laughs> which is brilliant as well. Yeah, yeah, he probably doesn't know my name either. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. It, it, there's some really good stuff with them with James Lowe after that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the I suppose before we move on from, from or move back to Ireland, um, Gary Ringrose. Mm. There is more noise about him coming straight in, having not played at all. Is that realistic, or are we, as we discussed last week with uh, Jimmy Downey, is Chris Farrell the man for the job? Yeah, Chris Farrell. <clears throat> um, Chris Farrell for me will will start the game, uh, and then you'll have 
probably Fergus McFadden will be the cover for him but yeah Ringrose I think Schmidt would like to get it out there that Ringrose has a chance because it just throws people off a little bit and there's something else Wales have to worry get, get about. Get the poor Welsh analyst working double time. Yeah, just give him a little, a little like this, just throwing in a little bit of like um, a, a swerve at him as well. Like, like Ringrose, <clears throat> I think Schmidt was saying if he comes in and trains in the camp, he doesn't have to then prove to him that he can play because he's done it before and he knows mm. the calls and stuff. But it's a big ask for a guy to come back in after having two serious injuries in the space of, um, it's like not even, the season's not over, over yet. So, um, I think if they bring Ringrose in, it might they might get him in for training this week. So you could see him named, <clears throat> but I think he I don't think he's going to play. And you could see him back in for the Scotland game. But this is Farrell's chance. He's played two games already. This will be his third chance. And I'd say him and Aki will play. And then I I suspect that Fergus McFadden um, mm. is going to cover on the bench as well. Graham, we'll talk more about um, Ireland Wales with. Uh Master Williams when mm-hmm. he joins us. Um, the so we, we mentioned Ulster Munster uh, Connacht. <coughs> yeah, bad results all around. A zebra double over an Irish side is a significant thing, and one I actually, if you take the Irish classes off, mm. it's brilliant. It's great to see Treviso knocked up their their fifth win in a row yeah. this weekend as well, uh, which included a win over Scarlets a couple of weekends ago. Um, but Munster disastrous start, nineteen 0 down in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah, and they they looked all over the place, and um, yeah, it was just so so weird to see. Like I know they had, um, I think Jack Jack O'Donoghue was saying after the games they had ten changes, and um, he didn't. It was one of those things where we've had ten changes, but I'm not blaming it on that kind of a it, one of those interviews that managers and captains. It's, often it's give. not an excuse, but I just want to make sure I mention. It. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but they looked all, they looked like they hadn't played together for a while, which is um, which is a, a shame to see. And Cardiff, they, Cardiff are really a weird team. Like they can bring it one week and then just be absolutely atrocious the next week. But they were good. Nick Williams was brilliant uh, on the day as well, and um, he's, he's annoying that way when he's on mm. his game. He, you know he can be unplayable for stretches in a game yeah yeah and he he looks in good shape as well um, best shape I've seen him in a couple of years as that well also notable yeah and um, so yeah he, he looked good and um, yeah, it was a shame they couldn't get going and then they came back it looked like they were going to Munster were going to do get the, the dirty win away from home again because they came back in the second half and then they just f- they fell away it was really yeah, weird they got to 19-15 down yeah. yeah and then just started giving away penalties and and just gave Cardiff their way back into it and uh, good to see the only, um, one of the only positives is just to see Blayendahl Tyler Blayendahl come back mm. and he was the man who kicked that uh, penalty at the end to get him a losing bonus points so um you know his season's been obliterated by by his injuries. Like so, it's good to see that he's back and hopefully he has a clear run till the end of the season. Now Irish qualified. Yeah, yeah, uh, and not a good result for Ulster. Um, no, home to Edinburgh, and that is for anyone who isn't keeping an eye on the conference tables. That is going to be a battle right to the end of the season. To yeah, get, um, to, to not have to go through a playoff to get into the Champions Cup. Yeah, yeah, and they they um, they <clears throat> like I think. Uh, I think Cooney had a good game again and um, this is just one of those games where they just needed to win you know anyway mm. by, a, by a point and then Edinburgh um, you know it, it's going to be interesting for a lot of fans who kind of might take their eye off the league and come back and have a look at the Pro 14 after the Six Nations they'll see a lot of teams have climbed over that kind of bit of a break like but yeah. uh, nice drop goal at the end and they worked that really well didn't panic just got up close to the line and knew what they had to do and um, gee, Ulster you know I'd, I'd say <laughs> It, like you know, their fans have been, they were tearing their hair out earlier in the season, but things well, are everything going seems brilliant towards. after they had a thumping win last week, and then yeah. Edinburgh come to town and yeah, you know, sorry lads, 
Yeah, like and I think so. That I think they're level now, aren't they? I think in the in their in they're their forty-six like, each, but I think yeah. Edinburgh have just gone above them on um, on points point difference. difference. Yeah, um, so but yeah, it, in the in the other conference, conference A, Glasgow are stupidly far ahead. Yeah. I think they've already qualified for the playoffs. <laughs> you could it's, they it's could well have. They, they're they're about thirty points ahead of the fourth place team. It's Jeez. stupid, like yeah. Um, now Wayne Pivak said uh, the Scarlet coach made some interesting comments after the game, um, and I'm going to use technology here to bring this up. Watch this. See me swipe. That was a nice swipe, yeah. It's a good swipe, yeah. Um, it, Apple, if you can fix my laptop, we'd, we'd, all, <laughs> <laughs> we'd really like that. Uh, he, so he said, um, I'm disappointed we have played Leinster twice in this window, or the Six Nations window last year, and we'll meet twice in this window this year. He said, that is two of the top teams playing against each other when they're not at full strength. I don't think this is clever. So if you haven't been to campaign attention to the, the schedule, you've got Leinster and Scarlets at the top mm. of Conference B. Now, even if there was no conferences, we'd expect these two teams to be right at the pointy end of the table. They played this weekend and then they play in two weekends time, the other rest week yeah. in the championship. It's a fair point. We give out about the scheduling of the Interpros around Christmas when we don't get full strength teams mm. picked for various reasons. And the same thing happens in the Six Nations window. And you've got two top teams playing. And yeah, what do you think? It, like to, to hear that, like it, like I actually was listening to that James Lowe interview after the, the game at the weekend and he was saying, oh, we've played him again. And, you know, that kind of jumps out. So that's a bit strange. And then to hear that it's happened last year as well. Mm. Um, it's just... Um, it's stupid you know like it's what are you doing like but two of the most exciting sides to watch and now they're being deprived of most of their top players as well like to have it on you know once during the Six Nations it's a shame but then to have it on twice it's just depriving the fans of uh, you know the two games that'll be really exciting and get everybody going like it's um, a weird oversight like you know or you know like well, well, I'm just wondering is it an oversight I mean, they've, they've mm. put them on. They put them on the gap windows. They obviously want them to get coverage. Yeah. You know, if you wanted the height to 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 shove them away, let's say there was you know a weird conspiracy that we don't want anyone to see these games. Yeah. You'd put them on on the same weekend as a Six Nations, but this is separate. Mm. Uh, I don't know. There's a there's a few things. There was uh, one of our listeners, and I I forget whose name this was. Was it Kate McAvoy? No. no. Was it the black and red? Okay, there's two regulars we've called out. So well, <laughs> if you if you keep putting in listener questions, we'll, you'll get known here. Um, th- they'd asked us about this, uh, about the scheduling of this, and it do- it did make me look ahead, and it did make me wonder. Um, the one thing about this season, it's actually a bit of an equaliser. There are so many scarlets called up for Wales, and mm. so many Leinster players that this is a true te- test of both players' depth. Um, on another season, it might be the same. Yeah, you know, it could be much more of an equaliser for Leinster than Scarlets uh, but in fairness I think they I think um, Gatlin only let two players back to Scarlets they got no one back yeah that was it you were that was the big thing last week it was seeing who was going to get released and um, Leinster might not have got as many back as they wanted but Scarlets definitely didn't get back who they wanted as well and, yeah. Um, so yeah it's a real, real shame to see but um, yeah it's, 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 it's great to um, great to have other people out there doing our research for us as well and long may that continue and uh, keep sending us in your observations equals less work for us yes do you know what that's why we're not an award winning podcast that actually could be it as well that could be it the reasons are starting to become clearer now yeah right listen up next we're joined by Shane Williams to discuss the big game next weekend Murder She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day you 
can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing really. Remember, Rod, right, Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. Welcome back to the Hard Yards. We are delighted to be joined in studio now by former Welsh wing Shane Williams. Shane, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Pretty good. Um, you're emblazoned with a local stout brand. Yes. What's happening this weekend? Uh, well, obviously, a proud ambassador of, uh, of Guinness. So um, it's pretty, pretty big game coming up on the weekend. And uh, any excuse to come over to, to Ireland and, and enjoy the festive time and... Hopefully, watch Wales beat Ireland. We'll oh, come back. No, to nobody that. else. We'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, one of our local hostelries is being taken over, I believe, by an entire Welsh crowd of people. Is it? No, just one. <laughs> just one. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Paddy Collins is uh, is going to be rebranded and renamed the Shane Williams on Saturday. Oh, brilliant. Um, it's it's what I've always wanted. <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Obviously, I wanted, wanted to play for Wales, but I wanted uh, a pub named after me first of all, and uh, that's going to be the case on Saturday. Um, and I'd hopefully, you know, the the Irish public are going to turn up now, even though it's been rebranded in a Welsh name. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> is that allowed? Maybe it is. Is it going to be? Does Shane Williams after the game as well? Is it? Well, I, I hope so. I hope it'll remain if the same way for as long if as possible. Win, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, um, you used to live above Pope when you were a very small boy. Well, when I when I was when I was born, um, I wasn't born in the pub, but I was uh, when I was born. I was living in a pub actually called the Cross Keys, which yeah. uh, is still there um, in in the Almond Valley. And uh, and, w- and where is that? So, so for your Irish audience, who yeah. just Wales is this thing over the water? Yeah, where did you grow up? Uh, in this place just over the water no um, yeah. I, I come from the Am Valley which is a, a small town in the sticks in between Swansea Neath and Llanetli you're still none the wiser are you South Wales if it's rugby South Wales is generally a good guess yeah, that's yeah. in my experience it's, it's down the south there in the middle of nowhere really so if, if I try to explain it it could be a long show <laughs> But uh, so you, you started off and you've got, there's a bit of rugby going on, there's a bit of football going on, there's a lot of gymnastics going on. Like, you weren't 100% on a rugby track for a little while. No, you know, as, as a kid, any any kid growing up in, in South Wales wants to play for Wales in rugby, but as you get older, you, you don't really, you know, think it's going to happen, that the fancy kind of fades away. And in school, I played a number of sports because I was a sporty kid, I enjoyed it. And, you know, rugby was always my number one sport but I played football uh, done gymnastics represented uh, the school and county at quite high level um, but you know f- for me it was always rugby as well and I finished school even when I finished school I was playing soccer mainly and it wasn't until my, my mates started playing rugby again that I decided to take it up at, uh, uh, on on the senior level and I think it was I was about 19 years of age starting probably started from, from from fresh again and mm. uh, I started playing rugby again and I fell in love with it again and it wasn't wasn't long before I was I was play, I had a professional contract really I think it was less than a season so it, and they it, gave you a car 
they, they <laughs> yeah, if you can call it a car, really. They, I had um, I had a Fiesta 1.1 um, that had obviously been in a, a bump prior to me having it because I couldn't get in through the passenger door because uh, there was a big dent there. But uh, I didn't care, you know. I I was living any kid's dream in Wales, and I was a professional rugby player. And uh, you know, if they if they'd give me a scooter or a skateboard, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, the um, it's it's funny when you look at the different path that people go on now. You know, I mean, you you what you're telling me is that you're not one of the fifteen year old academy boys tipped for greatness. You've gone slightly different path, and then if you skip forward to two thousand and three, that World Cup. If you're not selected to play on the wing, even though you're picked as a travelling scrum half, your career could go in a very different way against the All Blacks. Yeah, my my story's been a little bit different to everyone else. Yeah, I didn't represent schools, didn't play county, uh, didn't really take rugby seriously until I became professional in '99. Um, and like I say, by, uh, by the year 2000, I was a Welsh international, which you know, looking back, I probably wasn't ready. If I'm completely honest with you, and what do you reckon you were missing at that time? Uh, well, I was 11 stone soaking wet. Uh, defensively, I had a lot to learn. Mm. Physically, you know, players were a lot bigger than me and, and, and probably more prepared for international rugby. And the step up from club to international was huge. And, you know, I scored three tries in, in, my, in the first Six Nations, but it was difficult. Um, and it wasn't long after that that Mr. Steve Hansen came on board and was the coach and, and probably saw that and left me out of the team until 2003. By this time, you know, I'd put a bit of weight on, worked mm. on my game, be, you know, tried to be as physical as I as I could, unable to compete with the biggest and the best out there. And uh, you know, despite the the fact that I got taken to the 2003 World Cup as a third try scrum half, I didn't really care. It was an opportunity for me to get back in the team, and uh, I was lucky enough to have played against the All Blacks in 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 that uh, group game. Nice, nice loose game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was great for Wales. You know, we we go out there to play playing one of the best teams in the world, score forty odd points. Unfortunately, we forgot we had to defend in that game as well, and they scored fifty odd. But um, it was it was great. It was a great experience for me, and that was the turning point. You know, I never looked back after that. When you got home after that tournament, like, did you feel different? Was it a matter of confidence, or as a matter of people looked at you differently? Yeah, people looked at me differently. I think no one really expected me to to to, to prove any points out there. Really. You know, I was a third choice scrum half, mm. and I was I was filling uh, I was just filling the the seat on the plane as far as I was concerned. But I just wanted that opportunity. I knew in two thousand that perhaps I wasn't quite there, wasn't quite ready. Uh, but I got hurt when I got dropped out of the team, and I wanted to prove people wrong that that I deserved to have another chance and. Uh, you know, 2003, that was my opportunity. And when I played the All Blacks, I decided that I was going to leave everything out on the pitch, whether whether I made 100 mistakes in that game or I did something good. I didn't care. I was just going to go out there and go for it. And, and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, I managed to score a try. I was heavily involved in the match. And I absolutely loved it. And I mm. remember after the game thinking, right, you know, you, it's this this is your shirt to give away now. You've got to keep hold of this shirt. And lucky enough, I played the following week. Um in the quarter-final against England, a game we should have won, but uh, I won't go on about it. And and I had a, I had a pretty good game in that one as well. And I remember coming home thinking, right, you know, you don't want to get dropped from this team again. You know how much you hurt last time. You know, keep this shirt, work hard, work on things, get even better, and uh, and make it really difficult for anyone to drop you again. And that's what I did. And from 2003 onwards, you know, I just became stronger, more confident. Um, people started believing in my game and. 
you know, by the time I got to 2007, 2008, 2009, I was, I was, you know, I hit the purple patch and I couldn't do anything wrong almost. It was... Decent run. He had a couple of grand slams along the way and then yeah. uh, that 2008 year, um, you're, well, if you look down the list here, so uh, 06, Richie McCall, 07, Brian Habana, 08, Shane Williams, then McCall a couple of years. World Player of the Year. Not bad for the lad who was 11 stone. No, not at all. And you know, I, I had to work really hard to, to get that really. But um, Did you expect to be in the running that night? No, not at all. I remember obviously the year went really well. World Cup 2007 went pretty well for me personally. Yeah. Um, perhaps not so much for <laughs> Wales, but I was scoring tries for fun. I remember going into 2008 thinking... Right. Okay. New coach. He. He. You know. He. He's going to select me. He's almost giving me this free role. Just go out there and just run about like headless chicken, get your hands on the ball, and that's what I did. There was no game plan. And did uh, you have any defensive duty at all? Uh, I had good centres. <laughs> <laughs> no. I. You know. Defensively, I worked on my game, and it was it was a lot better than it had been. You know. I'm not saying it was perfect, but you know, I was in a very good place, and. Um, you know, I I I knew that uh, I was getting stronger as a player. And 2008, you know, I was scoring tries, had a good summer tour, um, and I was I was playing the best rugby of, of my life really. And and a lot of that was down to Warren Gatlin. A lot of that was down to the free role I had. And yeah, when w- I was on holiday, when the lads uh, messaged me to say that I was nominated as um, I was up for nomination, sorry for the IRB World Player of the Year, and I just thought they were taking the mick. I really didn't expect it at all. And you know, up until then, I didn't even know there was an IRB Player of the Year because you know I, I hadn't come anywhere close before. So um, yeah, it was a it was a pleasant surprise to say the least. I'd say it was all right. Yeah. You know, oh nine, it was the great uh, travesty that we call it in Ireland when McCall yeah. run over O'Driscoll. Yeah, that was how Driscoll definitely deserved it that year, and he was yeah. disgracefully ripped off by Richie McCall, and the That's Kiwis did us over again. Yeah, absolutely objective viewpoint <laughs> from the studio. Um, you <laughs> played with Tommy Bowell on the way. He's retiring at the end of this season. Uh, which memories of him at the Ospreys? Yeah, um, shame really to see him retire. And I think you know, obviously injuries have, have played a huge part there. Look, he was a, he was an amazing signing for the Ospreys. You know, he was easily the best player there for some time. Uh, was scoring tries for fun and and got us out of a lot of jams as well. So, not a great player. One of the best wingers I played against Dan alongside. Um, you know, he's had a great career and should have should have had and done more really. But the injuries played played a massive part there. Uh, he's one of these guys that worked really hard, deceptively quick, but a good all-round ball player. And I think, um, I think, uh, you know, obviously he played a lot of uh, uh, Gaelic uh, football as well, and that played a you, big you part. You read my question, she? Yeah, 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 I just see. <laughs> 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 but uh, no, look, he was um, he, he was a talent, and it was a shame really to see that he, that he's had to retire. Definitely one of the best I've played against. Did you drop my text saying, "Listen, they're telling me I'm going playing Gaelic football." Yeah, I we we had a we had a, a little conversation. I knew that he, his background was uh, was Gaelic football, and um, obviously I, I I did the toughest trade last uh, I think it was last year now, and I knew I was up against it because I'd never I'd never really watched the sport. I knew what it was, but never obviously never played it. Um, so I was looking for a few tips from him really, and uh, it, and that's, uh, first of all, the first thing he said was, "You got to run." Just run, <laughs> and uh, and not until I went training and realised the size of the pitch and and the the amount of uh, grass you got to cover there was just incredible. And you know, for the majority, you know, for these guys being amateurs and putting all that work and effort in, you know, I took my hat off to them. But what an experience, and it's a great sport as well. I really enjoyed it. We're in decent shape. I mean, you you went back playing for uh, Amund again, didn't you? 
when you finished the yeah. program. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I done a, I done a week in uh, Glenswilly there, and uh, in probably some of the most horrific conditions I've ever played and trained in. And I went back and and played the following week in a semi final for my club, uh, the Amman, and ended up fracturing my my cheekbone really, which. You know, I probably had more injuries playing for my local club the last year than I did my whole professional career. That's how rough it was. But um, look, it's um, uh, I, I always promised my mates and and my brothers and uh, brother-in-laws that I'd go back and play for my local club when I retired. And uh, unfortunately, they took me up on it. <laughs> Has anyone ever given you a slightly deliberate injury? Say before uh, your wedding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, my. Um, I got married in 2005 and we had a local derby and uh, Mike Phillips who was who was one of my uh, one of my closest friends on the field there uh, decided in a in a ruck um, at the Liberty Stadium that he was going to give me a fantastic wedding photo and uh, a wedding present really I remember standing over him in a ruck and he turned around and said have this for your effing wedding picture <laughs> and punched me in the eye and gave me a black eye and uh <laughs> Safe to say the, the the wife wasn't very happy on the Sunday when we did get married. The funny thing was he was invited to the wedding as well, so she didn't speak to him all day. Yeah, one of my best mates was uh, barred from playing rugby for three weeks before his before wedding, wedding for exactly that reason. <laughs> she did try, she did try, but it was a, it was a local derby and you can't pull out of a local derby. Fair. Well, she knew what she was marrying. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, like you were like, but the whole thing with Glenn Swilly, like you were a kind of cult hero in Ireland there for a while, and and a lot of talk about you. Everybody praised you for what you did, and and you made a great speech in the clubhouse that night as well. I remember, and uh, I think a few people were sharing it on social media. And have you got back to them? Have you been in touch? Have you kept track of them at all? Um, I've, I've kept in touch via you know Twitter and things like that, and 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 uh, and some of the lads. Look, I just had a I, I had a great week. You know, I really didn't know what I was. Uh, what I was signing up for I knew very little about the sport but you know even though it was great the the um, the coaches the players and the people of, of Glen Swillian down in that area were fantastic they really looked after me for a week uh, made me feel, feel wel- warm and welcome well not warm it was blooming freezing <laughs> down there but I was welcome anyway and uh, I really had a good time there and, and when I went out and and trained with them and then eventually played I, I really didn't want to let the lads down I know it was a friendly and it was a local derby but I thought they put so much effort and time into mm. me you now I want, really want to have a good go at this the, at this game despite the fact that it was snowing um, horizontal how that uh, how that happens it's I, fine I, summer weather in Donegal yeah. Yeah. and it came from nowhere I have no idea where it came from I thought right when I can eventually see the ball and catch it I'm going to have to try and have a go at, uh, at scoring some points and it went okay. It went okay. I don't think I've ever run so much in all my life. It, I, you know, in training, I knew that it, you know, the, the the pitch was a lot bigger than that. The area was you had to cover a lot more. You had to get into areas before the ball got there. But match day, I, I don't think I've ever been blowing so much in all my life. So before we move on to Ireland, Wales, one word answer. What was the greatest societal impact on you playing in Japan or Northwest Donegal? Oh, Donegal by by a country mile. Done right. <laughs> Move on. So um, Ireland, 10-point favourites for the weekend uh, against a team who we haven't beaten in the Six Nations for a few years now. Yeah, when you when Andy men- mentioned that to us, there was a collective shudder in the room. What are we doing, 10-point favourites to play Wales? It's, yeah. That worries me. How is Wales taking that? Uh, well, yeah, I think, you know, they'll they'll use that. I think, um, you know, Ireland, I think, will be favourites. Uh, the home advantage, two from two. They've had to work really hard, especially in the first game, to uh, to come away from a win there. Um, 
I think they've you know Ireland have started a fire now. They they were very clinical against Italy. Uh, Sexton and Murray pulling the strings there, and likes of uh, Keith Earls and that playing really well, and 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 Stanner looked like a real unit. Whereas Wales really good performance against Scotland put them to the sword and had to work really hard against England and you know, could have come away with the spoils but we're not going to get into that now. So I think there's a confidence in Wales. Um, uh, a lot of new players in the squad that perhaps wouldn't have got had the opportunity have uh, had uh, some of the players not been injured. But I think it's worked for Wales. I think it's a blessing in disguise because all of a sudden we look like we have strength and depth now. Definitely have confidence and you've got to take that from Twickenham. Could have won up there. Uh, and you've got some players playing with form and you've got a lot of Scarlet lads playing in that team now that um, are playing exceptionally well for the, for the club uh, and, are, and are playing some open, expansive rugby. So they, they truly believe they can come to Dublin and win. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it puts more pressure on the Irish, really, if they say they they, you know, they've got a 10-point start. We'll take that all day long, <laughs> and, uh, I can assure you. But, um, you know, Gatlin's um, optimistic. The, the lads are in good spirit. And we know it's going to be tough. Um, it, it always is. But, you know, Gatlin's record against Ireland is pretty good. Mm. And uh, he's all smiles at the moment as well. And I think that kind of filters into the players. So it's going to be a great game regardless. But um, like I say, I don't know if 10 points is uh, is a realistic... It could be. It definitely could be because Ireland are more than capable of, of putting teams to the sword. Um, so we'll have to wait and see Do you think that I mean you've mentioned the number of Scarlets and one of the reasons for bringing in that many was A they've been playing really well for mm. a long time but B a lot of Gatlin's core players have been out injured mm. but some of those are coming back in now so yeah. Liam Williams former Scarlet yeah. um, back fit again player of the weekend is he someone who you'd see them drop straight back into the starting 15? Um, he's definitely capable I think um you know, like I said earlier, it's a blessing in disguise that we did have these injuries, really. Um, not that I, you know, um, want to uh, give anyone any kind of injury and say, you know, it's good that they're out. Some Wales have been playing with, you know, the same nucleus of a team for a long time. And, and now that we have injuries, we've been putting some players in and, and it's worked. And they, they play an open, expansive game. And Who's impressed you with the step up? Um, definitely Josh Navidi. Uh, Shingler, uh, the back rows played really well. When you think about the players that's in front of them, the Tipperick, Warburton, mm. uh, you know, Lydiates and these players that have been there, um, you know, they, they, they've they really stepped up to the plate and they've been probably the best players in uh, four wheels. You've got Garth Davis playing at nine where Reese Webb would normally play. Um, you know, Dan Bigger's out as well. And George North's been there. We, and we've got some good youngsters coming in the back three. And But I think you do need a bit of experience against the likes of Sexton and, and, and Murray and these guys. And I think we may see a few changes on the on the weekend. You know, George North is back fit. Um he he played a a part at the end end of the English game and um, Liam Williams um, played for Saracens on the weekend scored a try and uh, was looking pretty sharp as well so I'm sure we will see a bit more experience brought into the team but I don't think there will be that many changes because deservedly so they have been playing well and uh, and they play in a brand of rugby now that suits the players they have in the team hmm. the um, a game for the old hands maybe is what you're saying. Yeah, well, you trust me. Yeah, I think so. I think you do need experience against um, you know players like Sexton and, and Murray. They're, they've got a great kicking game. Probably, mm. 
probably the best nine and ten in 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 respect to that. Um, against England, Wales were a little bit disjointed in the back three. A lot of ball hit the hit the ground or was knocked on by Wales because of the pressure they were put under there. So you know, if if Liam Williams doesn't come back in, you've got someone like Lee Halfpenny that's there as well, who who there with Rob Kearney as well is a very good at positioning himself around the field to catch the high balls. Liam Williams can do the uh, do the business on the wing as can George North. Uh, but I think you know players like Stefan Evans who's been playing on the wing at the moment works really hard and and I think he'll feel really hard done by if he's not selected so it's a nice headache to have mm. but um, you know we, we, we're a little bit blessed in the back three at the moment but we're going to have to be on, on our toes in that area because Ireland do kick a lot and, and they're clever kickers they kick for territory and then they compete so that's a, a massive part of Ireland's game well, I was going to say, uh, Shane, uh, someone like you've mentioned him, uh, Rob Carney there as well. He's a guy that you were on two lines tours with as well and a guy who's on the other side of 30 now as well but does the job that he's always asked him as well. Sometimes he gets a bit written off. You might not see that as much over here but he's written off sometimes over here. Is that is that kind of harsh considering when you see him playing test rugby he knows what he does and he can do a good job as well? Yeah, well, knowing Rob and what kind of players and played alongside him and against him I know he's a very 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 good player the same was done with Lee Halfpenny he was criticised for not being attacking minded enough and then when he doesn't play they're like oh we should have had Lee Halfpenny playing there because he's defensively he's one of the best out there and you know he scored two tries against Scotland as well and it's the same with Rob I think you know um, obviously he's got players like Keith and Keith Earls and these guys are on that, that are scoring tries and everything and Rob does the same but defensively and position wise one of the best out there mm. you know he was one of these people where Wherever, whichever direction you kicked it Rob always seems to be under the high ball and, and this is the work you don't see on the camera because he's got into a good position he's moved and he's covered so much ground and that's a sign of a good a good full back that you know, the ball doesn't touch the grass and it doesn't touch the grass very often with Rob and defensively he's one of the best out there and they don't realise as well that he covers a lot of ground and makes a lot of yards with ball in hand so yeah, it's it's it, we we don't hear so much of of Rob being criticised because you know we respect him a lot in in Wales. We know he's a very good player, and when having played against him, he's always one of those guys where it's like, right, let's keep the ball away from Rob this game now. Let's try and get the ball on the ground so he's got to run back and get it. But nine times out of ten, he you know he's there every time to catch that ball. So um, you know he'll 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 be a big part of of uh, any success Ireland have on the weekend. How would you target this Ireland side? Well, I think um, when Wales have um, you know, done a job, I suppose, on, on Ireland, defensively they've got to be very aggressive. Line speed's got to be very good. You, you don't give Sexton any time on the ball. And I think against against England, against Mo, uh, Ford sorry, and Farrell, we give them far too much time there, especially in the first 20 minutes. So you've got to, ta- you've got to target 9 and 10. They are, you know, they're the best 9 and 10 combo out there, I think. And uh, you've got to put them under pressure. I think um, you can attack... Ireland with ball in hand I think if you play with tempo and play with width you know, you can uh, create things you know Italy scored two tries out on uh, out on the, the, the on the wings there on the weekend so there you know there are frailties there um there's not there's not much bad about this team at the moment I think but you you've you've got to look at the little things and I think if Wales play play like they did against Scotland and play with that kind of tempo they will create problems for Ireland However, Ireland are going to create problems for Wales as well because you know they keep the ball very well. You know, France is a massive example of let's play forty phases and have a drop goal just to win it, just for the sake of it. Typical Sexton, really, <laughs> but um, but that's what they do. They're co- they're a confident team and and they can do that. And uh, 
you know how many times have uh, have, have Wales been there or thereabouts against Ireland and and Ronan O'Gara Sexton has stepped up so we know it's going to be tough and they are going to be a tough team but they are beatable Okay, so we'll take a thrilling uh, narrow win for Ireland, will we, Pat? Yeah, like <laughs> we don't have to win by 10 points. I'm, okay. I'm happy enough. Okay, yeah, so yeah, 10 points, yeah. That'll keep us three happy. Yeah. All right, Shane Williams, thank you very much. No, it's a pleasure. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. You're welcome back to the Hard Yards. Pat was on the road this week and met up with Ireland prop Tyg Furlong. Pat, you went back to his roots on this one. Yeah, yeah, proud, proud Wexford man, and uh, big fan of the hurling and, and stuff. And he was, he said some nice comments about that. So, uh, yeah, he he was in good form, and um, and it was really good chatting to him. And uh, in the middle of such a kind of busy Six Nations, but uh, kind of kicked it off by chatting to him about. Uh, is he one of those kind of guys who kind of gets back on the road the minute training is over like like Sean O'Brien apparently is infamous for it the minute training is over gets out of the pale yeah he yeah. gets the heck out of the pale as quick as he can in the, in the mud all over him and just gets back home and gets on the farm so uh, checked with Tyg and said are you are you like Sean the, the, the next man out of the, the, the Leinster parking lot uh, I suppose I grew up in like South Wexford um, but 15, 20 kilometres outside New Ross which is a place called Camp Oil, just outside Camp Oil there and uh, Family farm would be quite uh, close to Waterford, um, just on the border there. So I grew up; it was it was normal for me anyway. And uh, I suppose like uh, was like any other sort of childhood. I suppose growing up in uh, the country in Ireland. And what's the the family situation? Who's in it? Like? My brother. Um, my father has a farm. Um, used to have a butcher shop, used to be a butcher for a while, then um, he got a bit of an operation, a hernia in the stomach, so the heavy lifting probably went out of it from there, and my mother's from an island in West Cork called Whitty Island, um, just off Bantry Bay, which is you know a lovely part of the world, mm-hmm. in the summer anyway. Yeah, and did you ever, did you ever get drafted into any of the, the butchering or the butchery? Um, or? Yeah, um, I suppose he would have got out of it, his own butcher shop when I was uh, quite young, but you know, people would still drop up the deer or, you know, something to cut up like that. And, you know, you've always given them a hand in that sort of regard. You have something actually in common with uh, Justin Marshall. He came from a, a kind of butcher's background and worked on a on the, the floor, I think, in one of those places as well. He was kind of saying it was it's a nice grounding for you anyway. If you ever want to look back and think you're having a tough day, <laughs> think back to kind of the, you know, lo- loading those kind of carcasses around and stuff. Yeah, and to be fair, yeah, I suppose you want doubtful as quite nifty with a knife it's quite it's quite cool you know when they're yeah, yeah. doing that sort of stuff and stuff and the, the turkey for the Christmas dinner bones and rolls and uh, when you see that we see him at it it's uh, boning and stuff like that it's nearly a work of art yeah and is it a nice place to work, like part of the world like I kind of maybe down around Waterford and stuff like that not, maybe not so much Wexford uh, <laughs> nice place if you're ever kind of recommend it to somebody or yeah down there um, I suppose John F. Kennedy would have came from New Ross historically um, I suppose his great 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 um, grandfather or whoever would have emigrated, you know, would have been from the parish of Horsewood where I would have kicked football for a good few years. So, you know, it's a local connection there to the Brody Famine Ship. Nice sort of tourist aspect there. And I suppose, I suppose growing up there, you know, you're on the doorstep of a lot of beaches, quite beaches down the south of Wexford, which is, you know, really nice. Hookhead is around mm. there as well. So. Uh, nice part of the world if you're ever thinking of going down. Yeah, it might do. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, I suppose when you were a kid, was it one of those kind of childhoods where like you were out from you know dawn to dusk, and you know when there wasn't schoolwork to be done, you were just out until it got dark. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I suppose you take nothing of it when you're doing it, and um, I suppose it's quite light-hearted up around the farm, mucking around with the father, or out baiting a hurling ball off the back wall and stuff like that, and you know it's normal for me and. Um, 
I suppose probably a, a bit different from a lot of the rugby lads and how they would have grown up. Yeah, yeah, and, and I remember when I was young, we had a corner house, we had a big back garden, and the, one of the things I was always made to do was you had your chores, but cutting the grass, and it's still something that haunts me to this day if the grass needs cutting. But did you have any kind of chores you had to do every week, or you were in trouble? You need to, you need to get a tractor lawnmower. That's <laughs> what you need to do because they're uh, like light work, light work at that. Um, not really, just help the outfall out and, and potter around, and oh, summers were easy enough. Mm. Um, not out in the fine weather and, and playing playing all sorts of games and going off playing hurling football matches left, right and centre. And we were talking to Dunica Ryan there for the, the podcast recently and he was saying that he still sees himself as a hurler who plays a bit of rugby. Is there is there a bit of that in you as well, like more of a gaman that made it in rugby? Or? Um, I suppose Dunica probably a bit more pedigree in that regard than I would. Um, yeah, look, to be growing up, to be honest with you, I never set out I want to be a professional rugby player. It was always a love playing sport and there was no pulling and dragging to get me out out the door. And I suppose naturally enough, you grow up in the sort of environment that I did that, you know, you play for your local club, Horsewood, or, you know, you, the school, good council, have good pedigree in GAA. And, and in the wintertime, you'd play rugby. And, um, you know, I, I'd always, in the summer, hurling was my favourite game and in the winter, uh, rugby was. And that's the way it always went for me. We, we had a picture, I think it was last year, but it was yourself in one of the new Wexford jerseys or something like that, and yeah, through the roof. Like It's it's amazing that that interest in it, isn't it? It's like, if you maybe, if, do you reckon there was ever a future in the gaffy, or do you still kind of, you know, do you ever kind of think you could have made made another career for yourself in it? No, not really. I, I would have messed around with Wexford underage teams and stuff like that, but I suppose my body shape wouldn't lend too handily to it. And I suppose the, the picture of jersey, that's probably a good few years ago now, um, Matthew O'Hanlon would would have been a friend of mine growing up. Would have grown up. He's captain of Wexford now. Would have been in the the neighbouring parish and would have been the same year in school and stuff like that. So, um, you still have good sort of ties to the hurling, but I don't think there was ever really a future for me there. No. Yeah, yeah. And, and what do you make of how they're getting on at the moment? Or does it have a little um, jinx or a hoodoo over Kilkenny at the moment? Yeah, it's it's buzzing. Honestly, back home is buzzing. And, um, everyone's talking about Davy and the hurlers, and you know it's brilliant. I suppose a county likes Wexford, you know, which is steeped in I suppose tradition that way and. I suppose the excitement levels that build around the county when the hurlers are doing well is massive, and you know you can definitely see the public going around with an extra bit of pep in their step. And you know I suppose for, there was a few lean years there, but you know seeing the excitement it's bringing now is, is great for the county. And we would have, um, I think, recently one of the lads, uh, Niall McIntyre from from Sports Show, was talking to Lee Chin, and he was talking about the the whole thing about um, looking to be a professional now, and that's the way he's kind of going towards it. But, now I suppose he has that bit of time in his hands. Did you ever kind of bump into Lee or would you ever kind of talk to him at functions or events? Or? Yeah, you'd see Lee around and I suppose the first thing strike you is, you know, he's lethically, you know, a big physical specimen of a man and you can see him out in the hurling pitch and I suppose Lee is um, a very marketable sort of guy that way as well and I suppose he's trying to be at the, the top of the game as much as he can and, you know, fair play to him and um, you can definitely see the sort of rewards off the pitch or on the pitch for him. Yeah, yeah. And they what is it uh I think even kind of you were talking about maybe playing a bit at school there as well and you know what type of school was it? Like a couple of hundred or was that, is that even overestimating it or I'm gonna pull out a figure here now. I think it's around it was around seven fifty when I was oh, there. Um, yeah, all boys school again would have been very successful. Um 
in the hurling of, and football. It's right on the border, Neuros borders with Kilkenny, so you would have had a lot of South Kilkenny sort of hurlers in the school. Yeah. You know, people like Wally Walsh, who you know has a few All Irelands. Mm. Jar Aylward as well would have been around my years in school. So, you know, very competitive, and I suppose a lot of the teachers there would have um, coached Wexford at you know under 21 senior grade and stuff like that as well. So, you know, the standard of coaching was very high in, in it. And what was the um, subject you kind of enjoyed most doing as in in school? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I'd be very sort of matsy or pro like the sort of process you do to get an outcome. So sort of maths, tech drawing, um, stuff like that, accounting, mm. economics would was sat well with me. Um, was never so good at the languages, English, Irish. Actually, didn't do a, la a foreign language for my leaving cert, yeah. but um, I was always that sort of way. Yeah. And what, as a kind of school then, was it, was it a, like a big enough place intimidating when you first went there? Like, was it a smaller primary school onto a bigger secondary school? Or? No, so it would have been a lot of, I suppose, country schools leading into, into the town, um, hopping on the bus and stuff each day and going in. Um, I suppose there was, a, a, like, like all schools, there was a bit of a seniority complex. Definitely might play senior hurling or for the seniors or, or so on. But, you know, it was, I thoroughly enjoyed my uh, time there from, I suppose, an educational point of view and a sporting point of view as well. And what is it I heard, um, I think it was, uh, was it Michael Quirk from, your, from the school? He was saying, uh, maybe one of the principals or vice principals, he was saying that after the Australia game, you dropped down a, a jersey or something after the... Yeah, Aidan O'Brien, I think it was. Oh, yeah, Aidan, yeah, Aidan yeah, wouldn't actually coach Wexford senior footballers there a few years ago. He's vice principal. I suppose it was just, it was, it was just driving down the road and um, I suppose the club in New Ross had a, a jersey and I just had a spare one going in from the, the November test, so just dropped one into him. Yeah, there was, a, there was actually an image that stood out for me after, I think it was the the home game um, against New Zealand. You played them twice in two weeks, but just yourself in, I think you were helping one of the All Blacks with their jersey off, you were in the dressing room with them, swapping it around. Is it moments like that, like, do you ever kind of step out of yourself and say, this is just, you know, surreal, here I am, mixing with some of the All Blacks, some of the lads, you know, household names as well? Yeah, you probably do at that stage, because I suppose you never would have played against the All Blacks before, and just start sort of mystique about them or you know because they are back-to-back -back world champions or you know world cup champions and um maybe at the start you do feel that but um maybe as time goes on you feel a little bit more comfortable and you know in control of the situations there was a i remember there was um i think it was after that game we spoke to you in the mix zone uh the aviva and uh I think it was one of the English journalists who was over watching the game as well, put a question to you about the Lions as well, and it was the first time maybe it had been, people might have been thinking it, but it was the first time it was put out in the open. Like, What do you feel like when you're kind of asked that? Because you're probably still eight months out from the Lions tour. Do you go, oh crap here, it's, you know, like, or, you know, are you thinking how do I answer this question and, and not sound like I'm getting ahead of myself? Um, for me at the time, I think the answer was somewhere around the lines of, you know, I've only had a few starts for Ireland. I've mm. only only played a handful of Champions Cup matches for Leinster, and mm. it seemed like uh, a bit of a stretch to, to get there. And that's genuinely how it felt at the time. And um, I suppose you put yourself under pressure to play well, and um, I suppose you might have a little bit of inferiority complex about you at that time as well. And look, that's generally how it felt. Yeah, yeah. And the, one of the things I remember about watching the the Lions the, the DVD when it came out was. Uh, 
it was at the end of the third test and I think Roundtree came up to him and was like you're an effing you know, brilliant player and stuff it, does, do those words kind of sink in have you watched that back yourself and kind of taken it all in even at this stage um, yeah we got sent it and you watch it and it kind of brings back up memories and, and stuff like that because when you're in it you can't even forget that there's a camera crew there following you around the whole time and you know to see bits um, like that that was obviously a very nice thing to hear mm. Wig say to you I can't remember him saying it to me at the time and you know to I suppose revoke memories like that is, is nice yeah yeah and the um, is, is one of the memories that kind of stands out because I remember just if anybody was following from back home or just from anywhere over the world just seeing you boys then for a few days just you could finally relax and enjoy it and doing tours of wineries and going for nice meals and stuff. Is that something that would kind of stand with you for years to come, like those kind of those days that you had? Yeah, I think what I found was, you know, before you went on the Lions tour, obviously people in your peer group would, you know, say how much of a brilliant experience it is and, you know, what's so magical about it. But, you know, about two weeks in, you're sitting down and you're thinking, geez, this is tough going. You never have sorry, any downtime. If you do, you're travelling, you're packing, you're unpacking, you're getting on a flight, you're constantly going. There was a lot of, um, obviously, media obligations and commercial uh, uh, responsibilities to, to do. And you, you never really had a second to yourself. And I suppose you think of the normal prep for a match week you know, your 15 on 15 training and, um, you know, it's, it's it's totally different because you don't have the opportunity to do that with Lions with two games a week and yeah. um, you find it really, really tough and, and then you cast your mind to the last three days where, you know, all the stress is gone, there's no more rugby and you're just having, you know, unbelievable crack with lads that you've soldiered for, for eight weeks and, you know, that's, that's a very special memory that you have of the tour, I think a lot of the other players will say the same. And, and let's say just like, I suppose some of the nations, it's the way it's worked out, the schedule that are coming up, are Wales, Scotland, England, some of the boys that, again, as you said, you would have soldiered with, like the, maybe let's say coming up next to some of the Welsh lads, did, did you get to know any of them, kind of become friends with any of them and, you know, change your perspective on a few of them, I suppose, as well? Yeah, I suppose you get to know them all, really, that are on the tour because you're living in each other's pockets for eight weeks. Um, you you get on well. You always, you always find with people. You might get on better uh, with some than others, and you know it's the same in all walks of life. And you know by and large, you find them all you know top blokes that you you connect really well with. I think the Irish and Welsh um, are, are are quite similar in our culture and our I suppose our, our way of being and around the place and stuff like that. So you know it's going to be sort of weird facing them in an international environment. You would have faced some of them already in, in, in Pro 14 action and stuff like that, though, already. And I know John and Davies is going to miss it now, but he was on, I think it was uh, BT tonight, and he mentioned you was the worst roommate. Is there any kind of, to kind of refute these kind of... These I can categorically refute those claims. I'd say Johnny Davis was stuck for so many. He hung me out to dry. A Pertoyha prop is easy pickings, to be fair, I think, isn't it? Everybody just assumes that you guys are just the, yeah. the lazy ones and the messy ones. Yeah, well. yeah. Categorically untrue. <laughs> and is there anyone who kind of stands out with you? I, I know even from talking to some of the lads, and we often do the show, like uh, Ken McLaughlin would tell a story about Keith Gleeson. He used to play for, for Leinster as well, and he'd say that... Uh, he didn't like any light in the room, <laughs> like so. He had to have all the curtains down and all the blinds closed as well. Is there anybody that you ever shared a, a room with that's kind of weird, kind of traits like that as well? Or I, I'm kind of weird about that. I don't like any light. I wear like an eye mask and earplugs now, and it's oh, weird. Really? Yeah, um, bring me on pillow. Just uh, Keen Healy is an interesting pre-bed ritual, and I suppose 
it works for him, so it's fine. But you know, he uh, puts on the lavender sort of diffuser. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. It's a nice smell around the room, and uh, puts the headphones on, sits on like um, like a mat of nails, kind of similarish thing for sort of acupuncture, and um, off he goes. Then yeah, oh, wow. and it works for him. And a fair play to him. We we spoke to what is it, Dave Kilcoyne there earlier, earlier on in the year. Um, I think it was actually around the Dece- late December time, and he was talking about. Uh, I think he has the bench record down at uh, Munster, and he was kind of saying that he don't th- he doesn't think it's ever going to be beaten. That's that's how, how confident he is. And it's been a few years. Do you have any kind of records yourself in the Leinster gym? Uh, we don't hold records. There's no sort of record boards really. Uh, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say I'm weak, but I'm not extraordinarily strong either. I think there's, you know, some other sort of freaks in in the in the group. You know, Keen Heedy's and reporters. Some of the backs are, you know, ridiculously explosive, but. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm the strongest at Ireland, but I probably wouldn't be the weakest either. Hold your own. I hold my own. I do enough. It'd be grand. <laughs> and what about and in terms of like, do you guys ever have to do, or is this old, is this from the last generation bleep tests or anything like that? Would you ever have to do anything like that? No, um, I missed all that. When I came in first, it was 150s, and they were pretty miserable out. In, we used to do them out in Santry. Um, they were miserable, and then it kind of changes over the years. Got into um, a yo-yos for a while, and now it's currently. Uh, oh, then we got into a 1K test at the start of pre-season, and now it's called the Bronco, um, which Charlie, a lot of Irish provinces are actually doing it, but um, Charlie Arson's sea coach would have brought it in from Australia. And, um, you know, it's a series of shuttle runs. I think it adds up to be 1.2K in the end of it, and, and um, you know, that's pretty miserable, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it's about speed then, is it? It's a bit, it's a bit about you know, speed... Accel- accelerating, decelerating, and then being able to hold that over. Yeah. You know, it's out 20 back, out 40 back, out 60 back, five times in a row. Yeah. So, you know, it's just about being able to hold that speed and being able to cover that distance as well. Now, we spoke to uh, Bundy Aki there after the game at the weekend, and he was talking about um, just how you know much it meant to him to play in front. He's, I think he's been lucky enough to have three games in front of the home fans. Yeah. Um, you know, when you kind of run out there as well, you know, how much does that kind of mean to you having those kind of the fans backing you guys up throughout the game? It means a massive amount to the player group, and you know, when you need a lift, you know, the, the crowd and support and family and friends in the, the stadium can do it. And I think it probably feeds well into, you know, Vodafone's, you know, hashtag Team of Us. Um, campaign and you know to the players knowing that you know that represents you know family extended family parish where you're from nationally as well and and the whole supporter base is a massive boost to us knowing that it's just not us out there that it's you know the nation as well which is um you know massively encouraging for us and, and just going back to even that about the parish and where you're from and all it is it, like would it be one of the best things for you, or maybe you can maybe tell me if there's someone coming up to the academy already? But uh, to have another kind of Wexford player or two kind of breaking through in the next year, would that be what you consider to be one of your big achievements over if within the next five or ten years? If another lad or two from Wexford is to make the breakthrough, yeah, I think I suppose rugby in Wexford isn't massive, but it's it definitely has certain strongholds within it. And you know, I always said that you know if I could inspire a few more young fellas to get out and that that maybe did, wouldn't play sport or didn't play sport or you know want to try a different sport in the winter time from a GA background to to get out and, and play with the local clubs in Wexford and, and raise awareness around it. You know, I'd be massively proud. You know, if players didn't break through, they didn't break through. It's not it's not a massive 
deal, but you could get, I suppose, supporting the clubs back home and you know seeing those players even grow up to be the idols for another group of young generations that I would have looked up to say when I was coming through the club, you know, that would be massively pleasing, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Okay, well listen, cheers for that and good luck. No worries, thanks very much. Uh, that was Ty Furlong. Um, he was in good form, Pat. Warmed up as you went along. Yeah, ah yeah. yeah what is it? Um, Did you start rubbing the shoulders? Or what? <laughs> I was sitting, If um, I think we've recorded it as well on video and if you see it, I'm, my, our knees are almost touching. That's how intimate <laughs> that chat was. Um, and it was a massively big room so he's probably wondering what is this guy sitting yeah, the video guy is going, no, no, this looks better. You're going, we're very close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is funny how these things can happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and it was good. And it's just, he is a guy, it's, it's funny to kind of see where he is and he still kind of talks about things, so humble about things, but just a world-class player. Like Furlong is, um, if you get if you get a chance where he's in good, re- relaxed form, he has a little bit of Shawnee about him. Yeah. He, he wants to be honest. Yeah. And yeah. you could kind of feel the media guy going, oh, no, no. <laughs> no, he's good. Chuck Furlong's good. Yeah. Um, right. We're going to take a look at some of the questions you've sent in on social media now. Remember to use the hashtag AskTHY if you get want to get in a question for next week. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter at THYRugby. Mm-hmm. There you go. 51 episodes, we have a Twitter account. <laughs> We're bang up to date we'll with be social Insta- media. Instagram now after the 100 episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, first one. Um, Jamie McCauley. Connacht losing at home to Zebra. A big congratulations to Zebra's progress, which I think we've already noted, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, or a major alarm in the West. Oh, well, a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, um, a bit of both. But they and it was it wasn't just like they like we talked about Edinburgh snatching it at the death there, but Zebra played Connacht off the park and um, could have won by more, and they just looked like the more professional outfit of the two. Um, had their stuff together considering that they've lost um, a few players to Italy as well Connacht have I know they've lost a couple of big lads as well Like, but um, yeah like it's Connacht should have been winning that game and they beat Ospreys the week before this was a chance to do what they often do and just kind of make hay while everybody's off playing the Six Nations and they they seriously dropped the ball on that one yeah it is it's not great now um, they should be doing better than this if you look if you plugged the two conference tables together right now mm. um, uh, Treviso would have 10 more points than Connacht yeah right now Treviso are doing great yeah. if you're Connacht you don't care how Treviso are you doing you just say Connacht should be better than Treviso yeah with respect um, like, you should be saying that like one of the big things like was um, you know like everybody like the whole country enjoyed Connacht winning the, the Pro 12 at the time and the West Awake and the bonfires welcomed them home and stuff like that and it was always going to be tough for them the season after when they're playing in the, the Champions Cup as well but the fact that they've gone back to being Connacht again and the Connacht that are um, disregarded by so many people and the team that kind of um, can bring a big performance one week and then not for the next two or three weeks is insane that, that that's being allowed to happen there again and um, you know Kieran King won't be happy no, no, he'll be livid with it, and um, yeah, they need to kind of again. They, they they have another couple of games during the Six Nations window, and if they can take advantage of that, great. But um, a worrying, worrying defeat. Okay, so that'll have infuriated our Connacht fans. Um, now to infuriate the Ulster fans. <laughs> so this is from Stephen Rooney, uh, Danny Cipriani, and James Haskell to Ulster for next season. Oh, <laughs> um, rumor mill starts here. 
Yep. Um, and Haskell, no. Right? Haskell, so no. Haskell will do his damnedest. Like, Haskell is not afraid to travel. Like, you have to respect yeah. James Haskell for nothing else. He went playing super rugby, went playing in France. He went to, to broaden the mind, broaden his rugby, pick up a paycheck, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, he did it. Uh, he would not be afraid to go anywhere to keep playing rugby, but he needs to keep playing in England in the top division and he should pay, take whatever pay cut he can mm. to do that to make sure that Eddie Jones can pick him for yeah. the World Cup in next year. Yeah, he's and he's just a year, a, he'd be a year out from the World Cup and, you know, just because he's been around a while, like he's not exactly old, like early 30s, like, and so he still has it within him and he's never been that kind of guy to... Pat in this studio, early 30s is shockingly young. Yes, <laughs> envious of <laughs> envious of a lot of rugby players out there, and um, yeah, so Haskell can still do the job, and, and he's proven that as well. So it's it's a bit interesting that it, they've allowed him to run down the contract as well, but um, not for him. And then Cipriani, does uh, talk of uh, almost a pay for play contract over in Japan, fifty mm. grand a game or something like that as well. So um, that'd be tempting for him. And Cipriani's a guy again who you wouldn't you could imagine him just picking up sticks. I- if I was anyone, I would love to get my hands on Danny Cipriani. Yeah. He's played fantastically the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really has. Um, but no, look, in jest, well done, Mr. Rooney. Just <laughs> let, let the Ulster fans, the, yeah. There is, like, the, we've talked about crumbs of comfort, but like like Stewart and, and John Stewart, Johnny Stewart and uh, and McPhillips are doing, doing okay up there. Like, I know mm-hmm. the team is in, in flux at the moment, but it is good to see that those two young lads are, are kind of stepping up and showing no fear at the level. Um so hopefully, again, they can kind of get a few more games and it benefits Ulster going into next season. Okay. Uh, next one from Noel Lyons. Does Keith Earls get the credit he deserves for his try-scoring record over the last two years? So Keith Earls has scored a lot <laughs> of tries in, in Test Rugby in the last two calendar years. Mm. Very few players have scored more than him. He's been in electric form, had his little time out with injury, which was not badly timed. He only missed a couple of uh-huh. November tests. Um, we haven't seen him in this good form for a long time. And it, it, this is the weird thing. I say that now, but as the questioner says, he's been scoring tries for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was saying, um, like he's in, we were in Madden to the Lions last year. Like he's in Lions form <laughs> this season. This season too late. But he actually was in Lions form last year as well. And just... Um, Maybe Gatlin looked at him and came across him on the test stage and, and didn't rate him. But he was one of the very, very unlucky guys not to make that tour. And um, yeah, it's it's not just that he's bringing it now. He's He has brought it for the last two years. And um, it, it's a funny one. He's one of those guys you might say he's underrated, but he does get a lot of credit. And, and, and the fans of Ireland and Mun- well, maybe in Ireland so much, Munster fans love him. Ireland fans sometimes... Um, they kind of focus on a couple of defensive mistakes that he's made. You know, he might only make three or four, but they're high-profile ones well, the, or something. They generally have been like when he's pl- had to play centre. Yeah, like yeah. As a wing, Keith Earls, the wing, is 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 almost peerless. Like, he's, he's a fantastic winger. Um, you know, when we saw him as a full-back originally coming through, mm. you know, it, it, he's a better wing. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's a player who you can ask to do a job, in fairness, at test level other the positions. There's not many yeah. who can do that. Um, but he's a winger and he's a damn good one. Some really good stuff over the weekend, actually, um, weekend papers. Um, and some he's a very open mm. in some of these interviews, including the fact that, you know, he, d- he didn't have a brilliant formal education. So he is now concerned about what is he going to do after rugby? That yeah. is the stage that he's at. He's been very honest about it. Worth reading back, uh, maybe on your, on your coffee breaks <laughs> for the next couple of days. Uh, good one here, Shane English. Which Crusaders players should we be looking out for in the first weekend of Super Rugby? Hashtag Rajwatch. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be interesting to see now. Um, 
Roger, because I know he, he had um, he, there was a self-imposed ban of himself being on the sidelines in, in the top 14 for a while and um, will he will be interested to see where he pitches up uh, for the Crusaders um, in a helicopter above the ground <laughs> safe distance from all the officials yeah, yeah. in one of Davy Davy Fitzgerald's little uh, glass boxes or something like that but um, yeah it'll be really good to see now he, he'll be back I don't think I think he's finished with um, with TV3 um, and he was, it was great to have him there at the start of the, the championship as well and mm. as, as per usual he gave some great lines it was a, a brilliant one actually speaking about Keith Earls where he was just um, he was extolling the virtues of Keith Earls before the Italy game and he was just like oh god I'm getting goosebumps here thinking about him like you know, <laughs> just classic Rog like um, so yeah it'd be great to see them but um, that's not me putting off what this actual question was for guys to watch out for um, the one actually it'd be interesting to see how Rog deals with this guy uh, the prop Oliver um, Jaeger or Jaeger um, who kind of did well for him last year it was a breakthrough season for him the Irish prop uh, with Crusaders so um it more of a reason to kind of, kind of. I only saw him a couple of times last year, but maybe with Raj being there, I might watch a few more of the Crusaders games and, and keep an eye on him. And the other guy is a, a lad whose pronunciation I might butcher on this, but it's a uh, Tama Tama Tamani Vula. I'm not going to correct you on that. <laughs> um, yeah, Seta Tamani Vula. Yeah, he's um, played a few times for the All Blacks already, but one of these kind of highlight real guys and. Um, you know, almost like a yeah. He's a guy you kind of he'll you'll you'll see his tries during the season, like yeah. one of those guys. I, but I think we're going to see a general increase in people watching Super Rugby first thing on Saturday morning because Rogers around. There's a connection mm. that's that seems natural enough. Right, um, that's it for this week. Thanks to Pat McCarry and Shane Williams for joining me in studio. To Tyke Furlong, uh, Alan McNam for producing, and Shane Dempsey was on sound. We'll be back next Monday with another podcast, hopefully discussing an Ireland victory. Are you jinxing this? <gasps> oh Jesus! Right, yeah. Gatlin stung like Gatlin. Touching to wood here. Touching wood. So subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud, and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone. This has been the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.